Well, I am uh, overwhelmed. Scott, thanks for the introduction. Watching that video, by the way, I haven't started my time yet. God has given me 10 minutes, but after seeing that he took 45, <laughs> um, it is incredible. And I don't know that anybody could have said it better than Connie Mashing when she said, we're celebrating 20 years of God doing something bigger than any of us. And that is what we're celebrating today, by the way. You know, we're not celebrating uh, the growth of an organization or even the expansion of this gorgeous campus, which it is lovely, by the way. We are celebrating 20 years of God reaching in to human hearts and transforming them. People walking through those doors and leaving forever changed. Thousands of lives have been transformed because of this ministry, and I'm one of them. Psalm 127.1 says that unless the Lord builds the house, it's laborers labor in vain. What has taken place here is a work that only God could have done. When Scott asked me to share <clears throat> nine days ago, I, uh, I immediately uh, thought of a passage that I wanted to share. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and beginning in verse 2, and Paul, this church that he planted, he's writing them a letter, and here's what he said. He said, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because when I came to you, I came in fear with much trembling. Because the message that I brought you was not with wise and persuasive words, but by a demonstration of the Spirit, so that your faith might not rest in man's wisdom, but on God's power. Paul says, when I came to you, I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, don't misunderstand what Paul said. He did not say, when I showed up in Corinth, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what I was doing. That's not what he said. You know that Paul planted this church at the end of his second missionary journey. What Paul was saying was, when I showed up in Corinth, I resolved that I was not going to get more creative, more innovative, more strategic than Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's as if Paul was saying, when I walked into town, I had to remind myself, Jesus Christ is all I need, and he's all I have to offer. Now, when I came here a little over 20 years ago to be a part of this church plan and to help start Young Life in this community, I didn't have to resolve to know nothing but Jesus Christ. It really was all that I knew. This was day one, chapter one, page one of my ministry journey. I had no plan, no strategy, but I believed that God had called me, and I loved him, and I was in touch with his love for me. And do you know what that produced in me? A tremendous sense of humility, healthy fear. I, I prayed more in those first couple years here than ever before and, and since. I was desperate, and you know, that's actually great soil in someone's life for God to work when you are desperate, when you are clinging to him. Every time I walked into that high school, I was begging God, just help me not make a fool of myself. Give me kids to talk. Give me favor with the staff and the teachers and kids here. And God started answering those prayers. I'm looking at some of your faces, kids who today have kids and they're still following Christ, kids who were transformed. I mean, our, our numbers started growing. We started having bigger meetings and bigger camp trips. And then eventually, 
People even started calling me and saying, hey, Sloop, I heard about what's happening in Botata. Can you, can you tell me, you know, like, what were some things that you did there? And the worst thing that happened was I, I actually answered them. Like, oh, yeah, let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you how we pulled this off. You see the trap? See, the more experience you have, the more important this verse becomes. Because once you have some experience in your back pocket, you can start trusting in your own instincts, and you can forget that it's only always about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And if I was to zoom out from my life and give one lesson that God taught me here, which is the assignment that Scott gave me, uh, it would be this. He is all we have to offer, and he's all we need for ourselves. My life has been a series of God graciously every so often bringing me to the end of myself and reminding me who I am and who he is. I was here from 2002 until 2008, and at the very end of that time, uh, God called me to consider uh, this, you know, job in Blacksburg, sorry. Uh, And uh, I'll never forget the days leading up to that move. You know, Melissa and I were at Lake Champion. We were serving for the month uh, in July. In August, we would come home, pack up all our stuff, and move to Blacksburg to a job I felt completely out of my depth for. I felt unprepared, unqualified. I was leaving a place where everyone knew me and loved me and respected me to a place where I was going to have to start from scratch. I was going to have to earn their respect, prove myself all over again. What was I thinking? I felt tremendously insecure. I felt like an imposter. I just found out that the area we were moving to was in deficit, and we were going to have to raise a bunch of money from people I hadn't met yet. Uh, On top of all of that, Melissa and I had been married for about seven months, and we were struggling. Um, She had some sin and some selfishness she was working through, and um, (laughs) she's not here today. Anyway... uh, It was a rocky start, as it is for many of us, right? We were struggling. My point is this. I was hanging on by a thread. And I woke up on July 28th, a couple days before we were to move to Blacksburg. I dragged myself into God's presence. I did not want to do it. I opened up a devotional that I had been reading since I was in high school called My Utmost for His Highest. And uh, the passage that day that, that Oswald Chambers reflected on was Mark chapter 6. Maybe you remember this story. Jesus feeds the 5,000, then he sends the disciples across the other side of the lake, and uh, they get caught in a storm, and they're straining against the oars. They're miserable. They're suffering, and they're exactly where Jesus told them to be, and it doesn't feel good. Jesus just watches them, lets them suffer, and eventually he comes out to them on the water. But listen to Oswald Chambers' observation on that passage. He says this, we tend to think that if Jesus Christ compels us to do something and we are obedient to him, he will lead us to great success. Doesn't that make sense? That's what we all think. We should never have the thought that our dreams of success are God's purpose for us. In fact, his purpose may be exactly the opposite. If I can stay calm, faithful, and unconfused while in the middle of the turmoil of life, the goal of the purpose of God is being accomplished in me. God is not working towards a particular finish. His purpose is the process itself. If I can stay, I already said that. (laughs) What he desires for me is that I see him walking on the sea with no shore, no success, nor goal in sight, but simply having the absolute certainty 
that everything is all right because I see him walking on the sea. It is the process, not the outcome, that is glorifying to God. I will never forget how I felt in that moment when God, it was like he whispered to me, Dave, I have you right where I want you. Remember when I was enough for you in Vatatat, when you didn't have a clue? I was a much better place for you to be. I was enough for you then, I'll be enough for you now. And he's had to bring me back to that place time and time again. He's enough. You know, what's interesting is at the end of that passage, in John's parallel account of that, they get to the other side of the lake, and there's a group of people there that want to make Jesus the king by force because they thought he was going to deliver them from Rome. And Jesus, looking into their hearts, he goes, I know that you're not here because you saw the sign, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He said, be careful. He goes, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. And they said to him, well, what is the work that God requires? And he said, the work of God is this, believe in the one that he sent. You see, he knew, you guys aren't here for me. You are here because what you think I can do for you. I'm a means to an end. He said, work for food that endures to eternal life. Believe in the one that he sent. And they said, what sign will you give us? Moses gave us bread in the wilderness. And he said, anybody who ate that bread got hungry again. My father gives true bread from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will never go hungry. They said, give us this bread. And he said, I am the bread. I listened to John Piper preach a message on this one time. And about this verse, he says this. Jesus did not come to give bread but to be bread. In other words, he did not come to give us the things that would make life satisfying. He, gave a, he came to be that which satisfies. See, we've all heard this verse, most of us, John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And if we're not careful, what we can start to think that means, and I'm finishing, what we can start to think that means is this, if you hit your wagon to Jesus, he will lead you to great success. In your marriage, with your children, you'll be better parents, your kids will turn out better. You might, he'll clean you up. You'll look in the mirror and feel better about what you see. He might even give you a sense of purpose and significance through a ministry where you get to impact other people. And all of those things are wonderful and good. And maybe all of those things will happen, but none of them is Jesus. And every single one of them can become an idol. See, sometimes we zoom out from our life and we realize I've been pursuing Jesus to get something else. He did not come to give bread, but to be bread. If I could give you one message, Orchard Hills, after 20 years of fruitful, successful ministry, it's this. Don't get more creative than Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's all we need, and he's all we have to offer. Amen. I gave you a time, <laughs> not myself. Hey, uh, I do appreciate that. You know, as, as I was watching that video, and then as I was listening to Dave speak, I, I couldn't help but think about our mission at Orchard Hills, which is to be people, investing in people for eternity, and, and that our method is come, grow, and go. And 
I believe we've been really living into that over the last 20 years. And, and I think about all the great leaders like Dave and, and others who have come to Orchard Hills, those pastors that you saw on the screen and, and others that weren't on there that have come and they, they've grown in their relationship. And then they have gone forth from here and they have helped to plant new churches, new ministries, new works. And uh, I'm just so encouraged by that. I'm also encouraged as I look around here and to see all these leaders that God has brought here. You have come and you have grown and you've helped to grow this church and grow the ministries of this church and the partnerships that we have. And so it's really humbling. It's really humbling just to see how good God has been and how gracious he has been to us. But I, I feel like this is just the beginning, actually. I, I feel like God is about to do a new thing. He's going to do a new thing, but I don't sense that it's going to look that much different from the old thing. I, I believe he's doing a new thing, but it's not going to look that much different from the old thing. I don't think we're going to have a new mission or, or method or vision or values. I think all those things are going to remain the same. But I do believe he's calling us to grow bigger and wider. And, and to do that, we're going to have to become smaller. We're going to have to become smaller. We're going to have to continue to focus on becoming smaller, of growing in small groups, men's groups, women's groups, life groups, becoming disciples of Jesus, because it's got to be all about Jesus. Um, our goal at Orchard Hills is not to become the biggest church in the Roanoke Valley. That has never been our goal. That never will be our goal. Our goal is simply to be faithful, to be obedient to Jesus. Like, that's it. Like, to fulfill the Great Commission. He gave us a Great Commission. He said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And then guess what he promises? He'll be with us always to the ends of the earth. And that's what we need. We need more and more of Jesus. And so um, to accomplish this, it's going to require that we continue to come here. And that we find our identity in Jesus Christ. That we find our identity as disciples of his. We need to continue to come and, and to grow as disciples. As men and women who live, love, and lead like Jesus. That's how we've defined a disciple. We need to continue to come and we need to go as well. To go and make other disciples. One way we do that is, is by sharing this good news the gospel as, it, as it's um, presented to us with every man, woman, and child in the Roanoke Valley and beyond. And so this goal is way bigger than us, isn't it? it it's way bigger than anything we can accomplish. And so we are going to have to link arms with other Christians, other followers of Jesus, other disciples, with other churches, with other ministries as well to accomplish this goal. That's what we're going to have to do. We'll need to strengthen our relationships with other churches and ministries um, around the valley and, and even beyond. Now, um, partnering with others is not something new to us. It's been part of our DNA from the very beginning, just as Dave was sharing. In the very beginning, when we were still meeting in the, in the basement of Church of the Holy Spirit, before I gave that amazing speech called a sermon that... Uh, <coughs> Can I just say something about that in my own defense? <laughs> I just got the font size wrong. This is really important. If you're ever public speaking, make sure you get the font right because uh, 
That thing never, it, it since, oh, I didn't think it was ending either. I, it was, <laughs> thank, and look what God has done. It was painful, wasn't it? Anyhow, God is a God of redemption. Remember that. So, but uh, I remember we, we had this vision. We wanted to reach the youth and their families in Botetourt County. And we believed there was no better ministry to partner with than Young Life. And so we hired Dave Sloot to be our part-time youth pastor and our full-time area director for Young Life in Botetourt County. Now, I got a lot of pushback on that. A lot of people thought we were crazy because we had one student in senior high and one student in middle school. And they're like, why are you hiring a youth pastor? We have lots of children. Why don't we hire a children's minister? And we're like, well, our parents aren't going to let the children suffer. But what about all those people out there that have not yet been reached? And so vision requires that you see things that not that are not yet, but could be. Not yet, but could be. That's what it means to have vision. Don't look at what is, look at what can be. And so we had this vision to reach these teenagers and their families in Botetourt County. That's why we hired Dave Sloop. That's why we partnered with a ministry of Young Life. And look at the fruit of it. You guys testified to it earlier. Look at the fruit of it. A lot of you guys are here because of that partnership. And going forward, we need to continue to bolster that partnership. We also need to bolster other partnerships that we have with ministries such as Straight Street or Blue Ridge Women's Center, the Achievement Center, the Day School. I can go on and on with some of the partnerships we currently have. And then I believe God's going to develop some other partnerships as well in the future. I just don't know what they're going to be. But we're going to work in concert with one another. So that's one of the things we've got to do. We also have to continue to plant gospel-centered churches. Plant gospel-centered churches. Again, you heard from some of the pastors that came here and then went out from here to plant these churches. Um, we're going to plant churches like them. I, I hope we'll continue to do that. We're also partnering with other church plants out there like the Hill Church, which is, is reaching northwest Roanoke in a powerful, unique kind of way. And I believe God is calling us in the future that we are going to help plant gospel-centered churches in our ever-growing Hispanic community in the Roanoke Valley. We had a meeting on Friday night with different pastors from around the valley. I'm excited about this. And so stay tuned for what God's going to do there. But we've got to be about planting gospel-centered churches. We also have to continue our, our partnerships that we have internationally in places like the Dominican Republic and Rwanda. Some of you guys have been to these places, and it brings me great joy to go and, and to work alongside indigenous pastors and the, these churches and to see them grow. And, and I love the fact that they don't look like us. They don't speak like us. But we share this common bond. We share a common purpose. And so we need to continue doing that. Um, we got to continue to make more room for people to come and grow right here. This venue is one of those, those um, just exercises where we're trying to expand, trying to create more space for people to come. And um, otherwise, we could not have pulled this off, right? Look, we've got over 600 people right here, right now. We can only get tops 300 in our current sanctuary. So this is a new venue. It creates new space, new opportunities for people to come, grow, and then maybe go. And it also creates more opportunities for people to serve. 
We have our own live band out here on, on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. You can come and you can worship here. You'll have your own band while others are inside worshiping with their own band as well. So two different venues, two different venues. And I believe it's going to appeal to some folks and hopefully that will continue to grow. Speaking of venues, we've got an online venue that we continue to, to try and um, reach folks that, for whatever reason, they may never come to church. Maybe they can't come or they don't care to come. And we want to leverage technology to reach them with the gospel. Again, we're called to reach every man, woman, and child with the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we can use technology to do it, we're going to do that. And we're already seeing some excitement as, as that's developing into a community. Um, one of the neat things, we saw a miracle happen. A an absolute miracle happen as, as a doctor in the Dominican Republic was watching our service online. And it led to a connection with a young man who was suffering with cancer and had no hope. And this doctor was watching our service online, learned about this, and that young man received treatment for his cancer, and now he's cancer-free. That, like, that's a miracle, right? Like, like how, do, how does that happen? I, I can't explain it, and yet it happens. And it, other things are happening. There, there's, we got contacted just a couple of weeks ago from a woman who is part of that online community in Maryland. She's asking, like, how can I join the church? I'm like, well, you're in Maryland. <laughs> and, and so now we're having to think differently. What does that look like? How do we do that? And then, then we get a prayer request from a woman in Dubai. I'm telling you, like, the ability to reach folks is there by leveraging this technology. We're, we're looking to develop Online communities, online life groups, online men's and women's small groups. Because, again, the purpose remains the same. It's to make disciples who make disciples. It's not to grow a bigger number that we can claim as Orchard Hills. This is not a, about Orchard Hills at all. It, it, it's about God. It's about Jesus. It's, it's about the kingdom growing. And so I'm excited about that, that venue, those opportunities. And um, so... Those are just some of the things. We need to um, continue to look at this new thing that I believe God is doing. And like I said before, it's probably not all that different than what we've been doing in the past. I I've said this a lot of times. Probably the best things that we've ever done at Orchard Hills were not my idea. The best things that we have done... Thank you. <laughs> have not been my idea. But people will come to me with ideas or, or thoughts and, and they will share and I will just try to listen. And then I will pray about them and, and ask the Lord for discernment. And sometimes um, he'll say, yes, you're supposed to do this now. Or he'll say, uh, yes, but do that later. Or he'll say, no, like that is not for you. And so I'll pray about it, discern. And then if I sense like it's a yes whether it's now or, or later, then I'll take it to the staff, the elders, the ministry heads, and they will pray and, and discern along with me. And if we feel like God is behind that, that he's the author of that, then, then we will bless it and we will release it. And again, some of the best things that we have done have come about that way. And 
we need all of you. One of the things I love about, about this right now as I look out upon this group, we have a diverse age range here now. Isn't that great? So now, you know, the folks that started some 20 years ago are pretty much gray, <laughs> like me. But as I look out, there's a lot of non-gray folks in here. And I am encouraged because that means the, the life of the church is healthy. Like this is a healthy place and hopefully it continues that way. So here's one, one of the things I want to invite you to. We're going to have a planning retreat in September. A planning retreat in September. We want to have at least 150 of you all there. And um, here's, here's how it's going to go. It's going to start on Friday evening, September 8th, and it's going to go until Saturday afternoon, September 9th. So mark that down on your calendar now. And we want to invite um, as many of you guys as are willing to come. It doesn't matter whether you're currently in a leadership position or not. We would like you to be there because we want, to help, want you to help us envision what this church might look like in 10 years or 20 years. And I believe together we can come up with some really amazing vision because God speaks to us in unique and different ways because we're at different places, right? And so um, you may be 80, you may be 18. We, we want you there. Um, you may have been here for 20 years. Maybe today's the first day. This is your first day, and we would like you to be there. So mark it on your calendar. We'll be coming out with more information in the not-too-distant future so that you guys can sign up and be a part of that. All that to say, like I am incredibly humbled by what God has done over the last 20 years. And, and I'm incredibly humbled that you would even be here, that you would um, follow my leadership and trust me and trust us. Because <clears throat> I certainly wouldn't. The... Uh, <laughs> And I keep, like, like David said, you know, sometimes I feel like just an imposter. You know, and one day I'm going to get found out that I am not qualified to do what I do. And that's when I come back to what you said. It, it's got to be all about Jesus and him crucified. It, it can't be about being slick. I'm not slick. Um, <laughs> It, it can't be about new facilities as cool as this is. It, it can't be about that. It's got to be about Jesus. And, and so I believe that while God has honored our humble beginning, I, I believe that this is an, a new beginning for us and that he's going to honor this as well. Think about um, what he has done with just the few people that stood up here earlier. Imagine what he can do with all of us. If we really get serious about being disciples who make disciples, I, I can't even begin to fathom the impact we might have. Todd, that shirt is incredibly distracting. He's got a shirt with my picture on the front of it. I just saw it. I'm completely derailed. <clears throat> I was getting all emotional. You're like, you know, I had you. Like, if when I get a little choked up, then that's, that's how you get people, right? Like, like, you show a little emotion. I was, you know, been working that up for a while. 
And then I see that stupid shirt. <laughs> Anyhow, the point being, we got to stay focused on Jesus, right? And I believe God is going to bless and honor the next 10, 20, and hopefully 100 years beyond. But we've got to stay focused on Jesus. He has to be central to everything that we do. We can never compromise the word of God. I want you to hear me on this one. The, the Bible has to be our authority. We are not going to change the Bible or reinterpret the Bible because it fits our culture or our per current situation. Okay? We're going to come underneath it as the authority. We're not going to stand over it in authority over it. Okay? So that's who we're going to be. That's how God is going to continue to bless and honor and, and we're going to be all about just making disciples who make disciples. And if we do those things, I believe the hand of God's blessing will continue to be upon us. So I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer right now. And we're going to sort of go old school on this prayer. Um, we used to do this, like it would be um, prayers that are, are sort of led out. So I will guide us. They're guided prayers. And then you guys, as you feel led, you just speak it out. All right? So this, get, this is almost like getting charismatic on us, all right? You know, but um, you don't have to wait to be orderly or to be heard. You, you just speak it out, all right? And uh, that's going to be odd and, and different for some of us. But I just would long to hear like a cacophony of prayers just be, being lifted up to God, all right? So we're going to try it out. We used to do this all the time when we were young and small, and uh, hopefully... It'll go well. So let's pray. Dear God, we just come to you humbly this day. We thank you for um, the fact that it didn't rain. Lord, you are so good and gracious there. We thank you for 20 years uh, of just your faithfulness. And, and we thank you that you have been faithful even when we haven't been completely faithful. We thank you. That you're an amazing God. Let's, let's begin by just lifting up prayers of thanks. Whatever you may be thankful for, um, just lift it up right now. Lift it up. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your purpose. Thank you for this body. Thank you for the kingdom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Let's lift up some prayers of adoration. Just what, what do you adore, God? What do you adore about God? Just lift up. Just, just focus on him. Prayers of adoration. You are faithful. All-powerful, all-knowing. Yes. You are the creator. The Alpha and Omega. We adore you, Lord. We adore you, Lord. Yes. Yes. 
And now let's lift up our prayers of intercession. Pray for, for those among us who are sick, those who are, are mourning, those who um, are in need of some, some, some kind, those who uh, are in need of salvation. Just lift up names, just, just their first name, just lift them up. Lift up Bill to you right now. All the, the loop extended family. God, you've been so gracious, and, and we trust that you're going to be um, gracious into the future. Lord, we do pray for humility that we would never um, be allowed to take credit for what you have done, what you're doing, and what you are yet to do. Forgive me for when I've done that. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for this gathering. We thank you for those who uh, couldn't be here for whatever reason. We thank you for um, all the different ways people have made an impact through the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And we thank you now as, as we enter into this time of communion that we would truly um, in, encounter you in a very real and personal way. We lift it all up to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.